for our meditation this morning is the epistle lesson appointed for the second Sunday in Lent from Romans chapter 4. Paul writes, by inspiration of the Spirit, What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. It was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who depend on the law are heirs, faith means nothing and the promise is worthless because the law brings wrath. And where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and it may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom we believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. This is the word of the Lord. There's a very important question that every human being at some point has to figure out the answer to. How do I get right with God? It's really the premise of every religion, isn't it? How do I get right with that higher being, that supreme being, that God that, that I think is out there? And there are many unbelievers, atheists, who too often come to that point in their life at some time. Maybe in the last moments of their life, I've got to get right with whoever is out there and whatever's out there. How do I get right with God? Friends, it's a question that Christians sometimes ask themselves too, isn't it? How do I get right with God? And maybe you've been there before. Maybe you're there right now. And maybe the answers that you've been coming up with are, I got to curse a little less and be a better father, be a more faithful spouse. I got to get right with God by, by getting my life in order, by, by, by stop, stopping these things and doing these things instead. I got to get my life right with God by trying harder doing more, being better. Maybe I should go to church a little more. That might help. Maybe I should read my Bible a little more. Maybe, maybe that'll make a difference, right? All of these things that even we as Christians tell ourselves that we got to do to get ourselves right with God. And the truth is, you know, you know that none of those things make you right with God. You know it, but yet how often you fall into that trap, don't you? 
Because that's the way this world works, doesn't it? If you hurt somebody or you do something wrong with someone, what do you got to do? You got you to make things right. You got to get right with them. You got to fix it. You got to make up for it. You got to, whatever it is with your spouse, with your child, with your boss, you feel like you got to make things right. And so we translate that to our relationship with God. But friends, you know that's not the way it works. You know that. But how often we fall into that. And you know what the greatest danger of that is? It takes away from the work of Christ. Yes, you confess him as your savior, but what you're doing with your life, and you, if you think you've got to get right with God, is saying that I also need to be my savior. I also need to do something to get right with God, to fix things, to make them better. You take away from the work of Christ. You strip his life and his death and his resurrection of the power that it is intended to hold for you as you add what you do. But maybe you're sitting here this morning, and maybe that's not your struggle right now. Maybe you're, you're, there's a lack of struggle right now. Maybe you think you're okay with God. Maybe you think that, you know what, you, you, you're comfortable, you're okay. You're, there's really no struggle going on inside at all. That, that doesn't really matter. You think, oh, I'm just too busy for that kind of thing right now. I don't need to worry about that right now. I'm, I'm, I'm doing pretty well on my own. I'm, I'm living a good life or at least the best life that I can live. And, and God, God's got to be happy with that, right? Maybe, maybe the thought of your relationship with God is so far removed because there's so many other things in front of you and on your plate that the idea of being right with God just doesn't even cross your mind on a daily basis. And if that's where you are, whether you realized it until I just said that or not, you do need to get right with God. You do. Because the next minute is not promised for you. Your life might end. Jesus might come back. And, and, and if you're not right with God, it's a problem. Maybe it is time to think about it. Maybe it is time to make it a priority. Am I right with God? You've got to get right with God. But not what you do. Not by what you can go and change and be better and do more of in your life, but by the one who has done it all for you. To again be reminded that you get right with God, not because of you, but because someone else has already made you right with him. And we have a beautiful example of that in the Bible, in the life of, of a man named Abraham. And, and you've probably heard of Abraham before. Abraham is, comes, is in the Old Testament, it, it, a lot of Genesis, 14 chapters of Genesis, of the 50. That's nearly 30% of the book of Genesis is about the life of Abraham. He's a pretty important figure. The Jews trace their line back to Abraham. He is their descendant. He is the one they can trace their bloodline back to. But, 
But Paul here in our lesson from Romans says he's much more than that. That's not what makes him so great. And it's not because he was so great, but because he had a God that was so great. You see, Abraham was called out of this worship of false gods to know the true God. And that wasn't because Abraham was so good, because he was so righteous. It was because God had mercy on him, showed him his grace and said, Abraham, I'm going to make you into something great. God came to Abraham and gave him some amazing promises. We heard them in our first lesson from Genesis chapter 12. That's the first time that Abram comes on the scene is Genesis chapter 12. And the first thing that happens is God gives him seven promises. Not because Abraham was going to be such a faithful guy. Oh, he had many, many sins. Not because God saw this glimmer of hope in Abraham. No, but simply because God had grace. God chose Abraham and gave him these promises and then continued to reaffirm those promises over decades because one of the big promises that God made to him was that he was going to have children. And when God called Abram and his wife Sarah, they had no children. He was already 75 years old, we heard. And it would be quite some time yet before they would. And there was times of wavering, times of doubt, times of taking matters into their own hands, trying to get those descendants. And every single time God came and renewed his promises again, strengthened Abraham's faith again, set his sights back on him on God. You see, Abraham became great not because he himself was so great and so faithful and wonderful, but because his God was so great and so faithful. And we hear it here in our lesson from Romans. The Apostle Paul is writing to, to Christians. He's writing to both Jews and Gentiles in the Roman church here. And he uses this example of this man, Abraham, of how God works. And he says here, right at the beginning of our lesson, he says, he talks about this matter. Right? What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? What's this matter he's talking about? If we go back just before this to, to Romans chapter 3, right at the end, the, the matter that is being talked about here is about how we are justified how we are made right with God. And the question that Paul poses is, is it by works? Is it by what we do? Or is it by what's done and what we simply believe? That's the matter that's being taken up here. And what is it that Abraham discovered? He discovered he says in, in chapter 4 there, verses one, uh, 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 verse 2 and 3, if, if in fact Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does Scripture say? And then Paul's led by the Spirit to quote from Genesis chapter 15. He says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. What did Abraham discover? 
How was he justified? How was Abraham made right with God? Was it by what he did and and following so faithfully and, and doing all the things that God commanded him to? No, Abraham knew. Abraham knew his sin. Abraham knew his failures. In fact, he knew because God gave him that faith to believe and it was credited to him as righteousness. That he was right in God's sight, not by what he had done, but the promises that God had made to him and granted to him in his grace. Paul's writing to these Christians, these Christians who are struggling with, is it by works or is it by faith? Is it by what we do or by what's done? And he says, look back to your father. Look back to Abraham and see what God did for him and that he does for you. He goes on then, and he continues to, to nail this point home over and over. He says, verse, starting in verse 4, Now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. See, Paul here is is comparing working versus trusting. Right? When you work for something, it's not given to you as a gift, right? When you get your paycheck at work, your boss doesn't say, here, this is a gift for you. No, you earn that. They have an obligation to pay that to you. But he says that's not how salvation works. That's not how you get right with God. It's not about working. It's not about an obligation. It's about a gift. He says it's about trusting. Trusting what's already been done for you. Trusting in what God wants to give you as a gift freely. It's not about your work. It's about the work that's been accomplished for you. It's about simply trusting And what he wants to give. The gift he graciously gives. He goes on then. He goes on in at verses 13 and 15. It was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who depend on the law are heirs, faith means nothing, and the promise is worthless, because the law brings wrath, and where there is no law, there is no transgression. Here he compares the law versus the promise. He says it it wasn't by obedience to the law that that Abraham got these promises, that he became the heir of the world, that he became the, the father of many nations. It's not because he kept that law so well. He says, no, it's because of the promise, the promise that God made to him, the promise that righteousness, what we need to be right with God, what we need to live with him and have a relationship with him, what we need to be with him forever in heaven, that righteousness, that doesn't come by what we do, but by simply receiving by faith. Paul tells these Christians here, he says to them, it's not by your obedience. It's not by what you do. It's not by keeping that law as well as you can or better than others. It's about the gospel, the good news that righteousness is yours already right now through the promise that God gives. What is it that Abraham believed? What is it that he believed that that credited his account with righteousness that he needed to be right with God? Well, 
Go back to those promises, Genesis chapter 12 that we read. This wonderful package of promises as he heads out from his homeland, from everything that he knows, and, and, and goes to a land that, that God says, I'm gonna, I'll show you when we get there. I'm not giving you a map. I'll just tell you when we're there. He gives him these amazing promises, but that seventh of those seven promises is the one that brought Abraham hope and peace and joy and comfort. It was the promise that through you, Abraham, all peoples on earth will be blessed. It was the promise of one who would come to bless the entire world. The promise of one who would come, who would be righteousness in flesh for us and for Abraham and for the world. The one who would come, who would be willing to live under that law and to do what we cannot, to obey that law perfectly. Abraham placed his faith in that one who would come to be a blessing to him and to all people who would live, but then be willing to suffer and die for all of our unrighteousness, for all of our weak, feeble attempts at righteousness, for all of our sin, for all of our iniquity, for all of our transgressions, for all of our wickedness and evil, that one that Abraham placed his faith in came and stretched out his hands and suffered the punishment for him and for you and for the whole world. Abraham believed in the promise of the coming Savior, who we know as Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the Savior of you and all people, including Abraham and every Old Testament believer and every believer who has already died and is living and is those who still are to be born. The Savior of all who has enough righteousness to give, to cover over every sin, to make a whole world of sinners right with God, simply by believing simply by receiving through that gift of faith what's already been accomplished. That's why Abraham was credited with righteousness. And friends, that's why you are. By what has already been accomplished for you. And so now, do you catch what Paul calls you? You're children of Abraham. Probably not by blood, but certainly by faith that you have the faith of Abraham. He, he says here that, therefore, the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. That's you. He's the father of us all, all believers. As it is written, I have made you into a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom we believed. Your friends, you are children of Abraham because you've been given that gift of faith just like Abraham was. And that righteousness of Christ has been credited to your account. So that it's all by grace, Paul says here. 
that it's all by what has been done for you. Nothing deserved, nothing earned, nothing unasked, unforced, but graciously, freely given. And as, as he says there, so that it might be guaranteed. So that there can be no doubts. So you never have to wonder and fret and worry, have I done enough? Am I really right with God? Am I good with him? Yes, you stand in righteousness right now. Not your own, but the righteousness that's freely given, the righteousness of Christ that is yours. That's a guarantee. And that guarantees your forgiveness. That guarantees your salvation. Now, now maybe, maybe you're sitting here thinking, you know, that, of course, I know all this. I'm a Christian. I know all of this. I'm, I'm a good Lutheran. I get it. I'm saved by grace through the work of Christ. I get it. But I just want to push back a little bit this morning and search your heart and mind. Do you really get this? Do you really get it? Because if you do, or if you can, it changes absolutely everything. I mean, your life is different. Because no longer is your life about just making up and getting right and fixing things and being better tomorrow. You get to live in that peace and that comfort and that joy that right now, right now, yes, you, no matter what you've done, you are right with God. through Jesus Christ. You are right with God right now. And friends, if you, can, if you can get that, if you can continue to ask that Holy Spirit to strengthen you in that truth and reveal that truth to you and make you grow in that truth, that oh, how that frees you. How that frees you from a life of have-tos to a life of get-tos. From a life of thinking I gotta obey to get right to I get to obey because I'm already right with God. I don't have to go and be a better parent and spouse because then I'll be right with God, but no, I get to go and be a better parent and spouse because God has already clothed me in his righteousness. Heaven's already mine. I don't have to go to church and read my Bible and do all these things to get right with God. No, I get to. Because I'm already right with God. Because I wear his righteousness right now. You don't have to go and make all these changes and be a different person. You get to because of what God has done for you. And if you ever forget, and if you ever wander, you get to come back. You get to come back to the word. You get to come back to this table and receive the body and blood of Jesus, which again reminds you you're, you're already right with God. Your sins are forgiven. You are at peace with him. Dear Christians, go and live in that peace. Live in that righteousness. Know who you are in Christ Jesus. Amen.